Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. January 19th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynesy, uh, not a great day to be a Met, I guess, if you're uh, if you're in the news. Uh, the Mets have reportedly fired Jared Porter, their GM, before uh, he even gets a season under his belt. Uh, the new guy that was just recently brought in to join Sandy Alderson in the, the front office, he figured he, uh, he was sitting in the catbird seat a couple weeks ago when they when they traded for Francisco Lindor and now uh, he's out of a job because of uh, some nasty text messages that he sent back in, in 2016 to a, a female reporter. Uh, just not the kind of thing you want to, not, not the foot you want to get off on if you're uh, the, the Mets and, and owner Steve Cohen uh, as, as they try to, to really go for it this year uh, with all the trades and moves they've made. Yeah, you know, the story broke late last night, like around 11.30 on ESPN. Uh, Jeff Passan and another writer wrote it. And um, and within hours, he, he was gone. This morning, you know, uh, Steve Cohen tweeted uh, that uh, that Roger, that uh, um, that Porter had been fired. So, uh, you know, it was swift, uh, swift action. I think swift action was was required on this. And, um, but boy, this guy, you know, this guy worked his way up from an entry level, you know, baseball operations guy to, you know, probably one of the best jobs in, in baseball. You have an owner with unlimited funds and just flush it like that. It's just remarkable. And he's, there's no way he gets another job in baseball. He can't. Right. That's uh, you know, young guy, what, 40, 41, 40 something yeah. uh, years old. So young guy, uh, everything, you know, positive in front of him and to be taken down by, you know, mistakes that he made when he was, uh, you know, in his thirties and, and with another organization, uh, they had been, you know, I, I wonder how long that the story had been known or out there or hadn't come up in any sort of interview situation or anything like that. Uh, and then somebody was just waiting to, to come out with it until, uh, Porter was in a position where it would hurt him the most. Yeah, I mean, this guy was, it, it happened when he was working for the Cubs, then he went to Arizona, and then uh, I think he was in Boston originally, wasn't, wasn't he? He was in Boston for a, a while, and um, then all of a sudden, uh, you know, he, he gets the job with the Mets, and, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, it, it's interesting, Joe, I wonder, 
you know, if the Mets, you know, in their vetting had to cut some corners because they got turned down so much. Sandy Alderson was looking for a GM, you know, uh, they tried to find a guy to run the baseball operations. They couldn't do that. Then they was looking for a guy to uh, kind of mentor. And that's how, how they uh, hired Porter. And I wonder if they had to cut some corners on the vetting just because time-wise, you know, but uh, geez, what a kick in the teeth. And then Carlos Beltran, you know, last year, basically the same, not the same thing, obviously, but the, with the cheating scandal in, in Houston, he doesn't even manage a game and they have to fire him. So that's, uh, that's not a good look. And like you said, everything was going the Mets way. New owner, they signed Lindor, you know, they've got all the money in the world to spend. And uh, now this. Right. Uh, it gives you an appreciation, at least as an Indians fan or somebody who follows the team, of, of the stability and, you know, just the, the, the way that the organization conducts itself with the, the, the folks that are in the front office. Uh, Antonetti, Chernoff, uh, you know, and Terry Francona, they've been here, what, nine years uh, going on, eight, nine years. This is, you know, a stable sort of, you know, a reassuring sort of feeling. Uh, that you're not going to find anything, you know, knock on wood, the, those kind of stories aren't going to come out about uh, anybody in the Indians front office or any sort of issues with, with cheating with, uh, you know, the managers or anything like that. Uh, it just gives you an appreciation for the way the Indians do things. Yeah, it, it does, Joe. And I think it's, it, it, it kind of shines a light on MLB's, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, pros you know uh they want to be out front and uh and act on this domestic violence and and uh you know and, and this harassment kind of thing you know we've seen seen it with uh, omar Vizquel, uh not so much uh you know in, in from an mlb standpoint but the hall of fame voting standpoint you know he he should be i thought he would go up to about 60 percent maybe 65 percent of the vote this year but he's trending down because of uh, some domestic violence charges from his wife. So, you know, it, it's, it's a tough, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you're going to pay a price if, if you plan, if, you, if that's the way, you know, you, you conduct yourself. Right. And, you know, it's, it, it's weird. It's, it, it's the, the age old story with baseball. Uh, you know, you, you could also think of this. We just had Martin Luther King day and all of the, uh, the, the situations with uh, you know, the positive steps that major league baseball tries to take in, in race relations and, and that kind of thing. Well, the same thing with, uh, you know, with harassment and domestic violence and situation with women, uh, the, the league, you've got Kim Ng, the, uh, the first GM, uh, a female GM down in, in Miami is, you know, positive step forward in that. And then you get this scandal, uh, with, with race relations, you've got, you know, Martin Luther uh, celebrating Martin Luther King Day. You've got all the 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 Black Lives Matter movement, the the, the positivity since this summer that's been been gained in that regard. But then you look back and you, you realize that baseball is an institution that's, you know, in a lot of ways, old timers, you know, promoting racism all throughout the years. That's why we're changing the names on some of these awards uh, that that honor guys that that promoted, uh, you know, division and divisiveness throughout the country. I, it, it, with baseball, it always seems like whatever movement it is, uh, whether it's, you know, women or, you know, race or anything like that, there's 
one step forward, two steps back. Uh, it, it just seems to be it was the point I'm trying to make here. I know it was a, a long-winded way to do that, but uh, but really, just this it, it's it's sort of a again, it's a black eye for not just the Mets but for the league. Yeah, I think it is, Joe. But I think it is that they took immediate action. You know, that's the that's the thing. It didn't linger, and um, you know, I think. I think there's been a, an awakening in, in MLB from the social justice standpoint. You can see it in the, the different front offices. You know, you can see it uh, in MLB's, uh, um, you know, willingness to uh, get into, uh, so, you know, Black Lives Matter to, uh, you know, the, the, the Black Players, the Black Player Alliance that uh, MLB has formed. This, you know, that has become really prominent this offseason with stops and cities handing out, you know, supplies, baseball equipment, food to uh, the needy and every, in, you know, in cities. So I think it's, 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 you know, you can see that, that they're, they're taking a, a step outside there. They're just not an athletic, they're just not a, uh, a sports institution. They're, they're really embracing, you know, the whole, you know, the whole, every every avenue of life almost yeah that's why that, that's why when i hear you know folks resisting the, the idea of the indians changing their name uh and, and the reasons why the indians are changing their name you know i, I just sort of shake my head it's you know that's the past is the past you got to move on from it and, and that's seriously what this is uh, a big part of and and it's being responsive to the community that you're a part of all right so <laughs> Way to way to open up the, uh, the show on a on a great positive note with uh, with this, uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens to uh, to Jared Porter, uh, you know in the future. But like you said, not likely that he's going to uh, have a job in Major League Baseball anytime soon. Uh, let's move on to guys who are going to have jobs in Major League Baseball next year. Uh, last Friday was the arbitration deadline uh, for many teams to get uh, get contracts done or get deals done with their arbitration eligible players. Uh, a lot of them uh, announced agreements uh, to avoid arbitration. I think there were only about a dozen guys that, that are set to go to arbitration at some point between you know, now and, and uh, early in spring training. Uh, the Indians managed to uh, tie up all three of their loose ends in that regard. Uh, I believe Ahmed Rosario, uh, the, the newly acquired shortstop from the Mets, uh, he's, he's in, he's signed. Uh, Phil Maton has also signed. There was one more. There was a third. Yeah, Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges, uh, the, the catcher that they acquired from San Diego uh, last year. Uh, you wrote a, a, a piece over the weekend, uh, or uh, last week, about uh, wondering if the Indians are overpaying for, uh, you know, the, the bulk of their, uh, their payroll right now sits uh, – in their catching department, in, in their catcher's room, with Roberto Perez making five point five million, and Austin Hedges, I think he's getting three point two. Yeah, three point two eight. Yeah, Joe. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's very rarely you see. Uh, I guess unless you're JT uh, Ramuto, um, that that you know your catchers are going to be the highest paid players on the team, or Yadier Molina, uh, maybe, but. Uh, you know, on the Indians' payroll right now, payroll that has been stripped down like a, a '57 Chevy. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's uh, Ramir, uh, Jose Ramirez at 9.4, uh, Roberto Perez at 5.5, and Austin Hedges at 
at 3.28 million. Those are the top three players, paid players on, on the ball club, you know, which, and the, you know, the total payroll is about 37.5 million. And people, you know, I was getting some uh, emails that people were complaining, you know, why, why are we paying our catchers so much? But really, if you look at, at on any other team, you know, uh, you know, you that, that's probably the, the going rate for a catcher. It's just, it stands out on this, on this team because, you know, the key players have been traded. Lindor's gone, um, you know, uh, Clevenger's gone, Bauer's gone, uh, uh, Carrasco's gone. You know, they've, they've made so many moves. Kluber's gone. All their big, their high-priced players have been traded away. And, uh, you know, you've got the guys that are really, you know, probably – ranked, you know, 15th to 20, 15, 16, 17 on the pay scale, those guys all move up and it could change. I think, you know, there's supposedly they'll, they'll add maybe a, a player or two, you know, a higher paid player uh, before uh, the start of the regular season that remains to be seen. But uh, I think that's why, you know, it's so glaring right now. Yeah. Make no mistake. The reason why they, they don't have anybody making more than those catchers, uh, anybody besides Ramirez making more of those than those catchers is because they don't have to pay anybody on their roster more than what they're, they're paying those guys. Uh, everybody else who's under control and on the roster is making the major league minimum. And that's, that's what in the 600,000, six, it's about, I think it's five sixty five is the minimum. So they're making just, just over that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, they're making in that range between 600,000 and five fifty, you know, 550,000. And you're talking about uh, a a Cy Young winner uh, uh, making that much because you only have to pay him that much for at least this next year, and then his his pay his salary is going to go. Uh, Bieber is is going to go up dramatically. You know his his first year arbitration award is going to be uh, in in the ten million dollar range at, at minimum, uh, and you know guys like Plesac and Savali. They, they just don't have the service time right now to, to command that kind of payroll. Yeah, that's right, Joe. I mean, I think there's like uh, maybe six players that are making, you know, more than the minimum that are making, you know, uh, and then you've got, if you look at the bulk of the Indians players, like 20 players, like you said, are, are making just over the minimum minimum or, you know, between like, like you said, 600 and, and 700 grand. And, uh, you know, that's how this is, that's how, you know, the, the figures, you know, the projected figures like 37, 38 million right now as it stands. Right. If this were a, a sport where there was a, a salary cap or, or anything like that, uh, Chris Antonetti and Mike Chernoff would be being praised for their ability to clear, clear cap space and have flexibility under a, a cap to, to be able to go out and sign players and bring in, uh, you know, talent and, and, and experience as it is. In baseball, it's almost like, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're getting rid of everybody. How do you maintain, uh, you know, a, a winning culture around your club when all of your veterans are gone because you're not paying anybody? Uh, is, is, the, is bringing in a veteran player with some sort of experience and, and maybe the ability to lead a clubhouse uh, something that might be being looked at for the Indians as well? Yeah, well, I think they, you know, we they obviously need help, Joe. We, we they could use some help in the outfield. Uh, we still don't know the how who's playing short, who's playing second, uh, first base. You know, they, they they need some some offense, an injection of offense here, and 
you know, there's still a lot of players out there. I still think they're going to make some moves. The, the money they saved, the 30, 32 million that they saved with the with the uh, uh, with the Carrasco and Lindor trade, they're going to be able to use some of that to to help you know to supplement the roster. So we'll have to see where that goes. But yeah, this is a team in need, and they're, they're, this is the biggest test I think of Terry Francona's uh, tenure here uh, of of them cutting payroll, you know, walking the razor's edge, you know, threading the needle, whatever you want to call it, you know, to, to maintain that eight season winning streak and to be a force in the AL Central. It's, it's really, they've got their work cut out for them. Right. And, you know, we saw that Lindor signed with the, or, or agreed with the Mets at, at what, 23, 23.4. Uh, that just reinforces there was there was no chance Linder was going to be coming back here at, at that that kind of money. The Indians would not. That, that's almost right now. That's close to what the entire payroll is right now for the Indians, uh, which is is kind of crazy. Uh, around the league, I don't I don't think anybody you know sort of really stands out. I think Carlos Correa was the only you know sort of big name who who was really sort of far apart from the Astros on his arbitration number on uh, what he was asking for. I think there was like a $3 million gap on what he was asking for and what the, the Astros offered. So that might be contentious, but there were rumors of, of Correa getting traded, you know, before the season anyways. Yeah. And uh, I think what, I think there were 18 cases on, you know, that were, were unable to be resolved, you know, out of uh, like, I think 120, 130 players were eligible for arbitration. People were, you know, predicting this could really, be a year where a lot of lot of cases went to uh, went to the arbitration table, but they seem to get things done. Uh, and now, uh, you know, but now, Joe, it looks like I, most of the clubs are kind of filing trial teams now. So, you know, you used to be able to make a deal as you're going through the door to arbitration. You can't do, you know, teams don't aren't doing that anymore. At least most of the Indians aren't. And, and uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of teams have followed suit on that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I guess they start, uh, the, the hearings will start in February and uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, uh, another piece of news uh, that broke over the weekend, the New York Yankees uh, have uh, made a signing. They were one of the teams there present when Corey Kluber was throwing uh, his showcase at the end of last week. Uh, and apparently that was enough for them to sign Kluber to a one-year $11 million deal. Uh, so he will be in pinstripes. He will have to, to shave for uh, for each game, uh, clean shaven. Corey Kluber will be on the mound for the Yankees, uh, giving a, a little bit of depth to that uh, rotation now that that has, uh, you know, two Cy Young winners from the last five years. Or, or I know, wait a minute, is Cole, Cole didn't win a Cy Young, did he? No, Cole didn't win. Cole still hasn't won a Cy. Oh, geez, Cole hasn't won a Cy Young. So I'm sure they'll they'll the Cole will win a Cy Young this year. There's being in New York, that's the only thing that's keeping him from it is Beaver being too good. So, uh, Corey Kluber, Garrett Cole, uh, anchor that rotation for for this upcoming season. Uh, you know, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of Kluber going to the Yankees? Yeah, I, I thought you know it, it makes sense to me, Joe. One year for eleven million. Um, I think it's a gamble on on uh, the Yankees' part. You know, the Yankees have you know they've lost. To, to, uh, Tanaka and uh, uh, J.A. Happ, 
um, James Patton, the free agency. Well, they're still out there. I don't know if they're going to bring those guys back. You know, uh, Severino's coming off Tommy John. So they needed, they really needed a guy to come in there and, uh, you know, be their number two or number three starter behind Cole. And, you know, Corey is only uh, pitch what, 36, 37 innings, mm-hmm. the last two innings. So it's really going to be interesting. Now, if he's healthy, you know, I think if he, you know, can win, you know, let's say, I guess the win is out the window now, right? Nobody right, cares right. how many games you win. But let's say he can pitch uh, 200 innings, 180 to 200 innings, um, you know, after not pitching at all, that would be, you know, that would be a, a big, that would, that would be a big plus for the Yankees. But will, will they be able to stretch him out like that after he hasn't done much at all the last couple of years? That's going to be interesting. But, you know, I think uh, if Kluber is Kluber, even, you know, kind of the, the guy we saw, you know, in 2000, before he got hurt in uh, 2019, he, uh, with the line drive off the off his right arm, I think he he should help that club. And uh, you know that's a better offense than the, you know that's a good offense. He could win some games, you know, six to five, seven to eight, you know, eight to seven, that kind of thing. But I think he's a solid guy. But there's a lot of a lot of question marks about him right now. So uh, immediately after the the announcement that that he was in agreement with uh, the Yankees, I went back and I I sort of looked. I did a search on Twitter. You can uh, you can f- narrow down your search frames to certain time periods and dates. And I went back to October 11th of 2017, uh, the last time Kluber started a playoff game against the uh, uh, the Yankees was Game Five of that uh, ALDS in 2017. And I wanted to get a sampling of after Kluber came out of the game, what Yankee fans had to say about Corey Kluber and and how washed up Corey Kluber was and how his career was over and how it's no surprise that the Yankees just took advantage of uh, this Corey Kluber, whose whose career was over. They, the Indians used to used him too much and ran him into the ground. And and now Corey Kluber's you know, worthless and, and whatever, you know. Never mind the fact that he came back and won 18 games the far. I'm sorry, won 20 games the following year in uh, in 2018 and had you know one of his 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 better seasons uh, ever uh, in the regular season that year. But you know how washed up was Corey Kluber after that playoff loss in 2017, and now how dominant Corey Kluber is and how <laughs> wonderful he's going to be, and how it's just amazing to me the way that the Yankees fans. Uh, you know, when you're one of their guys, you're 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 their guy for life, and and how I just the same with Gio Urshela. I guess you could, it could probably be done with how wonderful Gio Urshela is now that he's now that he's one of their guys. Well, now that Corey Kluber's a Yankee, uh, it's it's just kind of funny to see how how Yankees fans shift and and change the narrative and, and want to, you know want everybody to believe that their guys are just the best in baseball. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Yankees kind of beat Corey up and uh, Kluber up in uh, 2017 in the uh, in the division series. Those two starts, they won one of them. But I think Corey was obviously was hurt. He wasn't the same guy, you know, that he had been during the regular season. There was something wrong with him. He never said anything. But those two starts were were not his best. And, uh, you know, and you're right, the 2018 season, he did come back and uh, but we saw, you know, he struggled again against the, the Astros. You know, this is a guy, like you said, Joe, he's been, he got pitched hard in Cleveland. I mean, he pitched, they pitched him a lot. 
they pitched and he pitched a lot of innings and uh, you know, eventually that, that catches up to you. Now, maybe basically having two years off is going to help him refresh him, but you're going to have to watch his inning count too, no matter how much of a veteran he is. You, you've got to, I don't know. I don't think you can jump from one inning to, you know, 200, 220 innings in a year. Can you? I don't no. know. And, and he is 35. This will be his age, what, 35 season yeah. coming up. Uh, you got to watch it. You be careful with that. Uh, I would be shocked if Corey Kluber made 30 starts this year. I would be shocked if he got to 200 innings, if they, if they even let him, uh, you know, get that far. Uh, but really the, the thing, the thing will be if they get to the playoffs, you know, obviously this is a team that's earmarked for the play, uh, the postseason. Uh, what they do with him in that in that regard? Do they give him a game two or a game three start uh, when you've got guys like Cole in the rotation? Uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see where he is physically at that point and where the Indians are in their ability to to, to or where the Yankees are in their ability to trust him in the rotation. So. So, yeah, uh, just kind of weird. It's going to be definitely going to be kind of weird to see Corey Kluber clean-shaven and in pinstripes uh, at some point during the season facing the Indians. Yes, and, uh, you know, the Yankees are kind of interesting. They're, they're, in, they're like uh, – <clears throat> their pitching depth reminds me a lot of, a, a lot of the Indians. You know, they've, they've – you know, J.A. have like uh, Tanaka, James, James Paxson are, are free agents out there, but – They've, besides Cole and Kluber, they've got Severino, you know, question mark coming off Tommy John. And then you got Jordan Montgomery, Domingo Herman, and uh, he's coming back off young, uh, he's Herman's coming back off. Yeah. And, and, and Deve Cruz uh, Garcia is, you know, kind of their, their, you know, phenom that's, that's coming out. So they, they've got some arms in there, but they certainly could use a, a veteran guy like Kluber just to settle things down and, you know, just uh, to go out there and make give him a solid start every five days. Right. Uh, last thing we want to mention, uh, the Padres still not done in adding players this year. Uh, they make a trade and get uh, – it's a three-way trade, actually, with the Mets. Uh, they bring in Joe Musgrove, who is a, uh, really the, the best pitcher on the, the Pirates roster, uh, you know, a guy that the Indians had seen a couple of times in, in the preseason and, and regular season last year. Uh, Musgrove, not a not a bad piece to add to a rotation that now already features uh, Blake Snell, Hugh Darvish, and uh, the uh, who's a Cy Young finalist, the young guy, uh, Denilson Lamette. Uh, and, yeah. and, and at some point, maybe you get Clevenger back. Uh, you know, after his uh, Tommy John surgery, uh, they'll probably he'll probably miss the whole season next year, though. Uh, they've they've made a lot of moves since August of. Uh, uh, of this past season, uh, right? You said something, uh, a bunch of prospects that they've, they've moved. Yeah. Joe, if my, if my math is right. And that's always suspect. They've, they've traded like in, in the, uh, in the Clevenger, um, uh, Mosgrove, <clears throat> Snell and Darvish traits. They have traded 17 prospects. That's not counting guys that were in the big leagues, like, uh, uh you know, Fran Reyes and, uh, you know, there's, and a sprint, you know, uh, in uh, Francisco, uh, the catcher from uh, the Mejia. Yeah. And so, but, you know, those, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's great when you have a SARM system that, that everyone wants, that everyone, you know, envies, and you can make those trades. And, uh, but 
I mean, to go at Musgrove, Snell, Darvish, Clevenger since August 31st, I mean, that's a flurry. That's a flurry of activity. Right. Uh you know, you go back to the Mejia trade where they brought in Francisco Mejia and they, they gave up Brad Hand. Since then, uh, like you said, they've they've traded and they've moved a lot of those those prospects. At that time, they were the number one ranked farm system in, in Major League Baseball with the most you know high-level prospects led by Fernando Tatis Jr., who was still in the majors at the time or in the minors at the time. Uh Obviously, they've gone gone down in those rankings since then because they because of the the overturn, uh, the turnover. I'm sorry in the in their minor league system, but that's why you have a farm system like that. If you're if you recognize that your major league club is ready to go for it and they're ready to contend and they're they're ready to be in a position to win and they were a playoff team last year, then and you've made all these free agent acquisitions as well. You've spent all this money, then use your use your capital, use your prospect capital to bring in talent and, and go for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what it's there for. That's what a farm system. One of the reasons you, you have a productive farm system. Uh, I just wonder what the uh, total payroll for the Padres is going to be. And Joe, they're, they're in the same division as the Dodgers and what the Dodgers have won seven, eight straight uh, uh, NL West division titles. They won the world series this past season. So that's going to be, that's going to be a great division to watch. To, to see how the Padres, uh, you know, just go, go head to head with the Dodgers and see, you know, who wins that, who wins those uh, individual games. All right. Well, uh, lots to, to, to keep an eye on there and uh, more to keep an eye on as we, we get towards, uh, we're, we're inside what, we're inside a month now uh, from when, yeah. the, when the pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. So uh, we're getting there. Uh, I believe it's the 15th. In February, I think the seventeenth. You know 17th. that camps are supposed to open, but I and so far it's full steam ahead. But you know it's it's weird. There's nothing. You know it's it's just a strange, strange feel because I think everybody is kind of okay. You can say it. It's opening on February seventeenth, but is it really opening? On All right, February seventeenth. Yeah, they're they're not the ones who have the final say in that regard. All right, Hoinsey, we'll be back on Thursday with another uh, another episode. I'll catch you later here on the Baseball Talk Podcast.